1: Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast.
2: It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James, and welcome to the show. On today's episode, we're going to be looking ahead to Saturdays little trip up to Manchester an arduous one for more than one reason first of all because there's a train strike and no one can get there second of all because Manchester City are quite good so we're going to be previewing that and we're going to have a a final word on the Everton 0-0 draw from Saturday also in today's podcast can be speaking to Tom Greatrex from the Fulham Supporters Trust all about the latest going on with ticket prices and also uh, some of the partnerships that the club have been ending into so yeah always great to get an update from tom and i'm not joined by the regular thursday club but first of all have got jack collins hello hello sammy how you doing i'm good thank you peter ruts is not here he is recovered he is fine he has just got other commitments uh, according to him make of that what you will but we have a fine substitute today straight off the subs bench reese parkinson
1: hello oh you legends oh <laughs> Oh, just my my brothers. Love you how both, you doing, man. You good? Should we give context to how we know each other, or are we just jump in into this? <laughs> Is it needed? I mean, look, let's do a
2: bit
0: of context. Yeah,
1: all
2: for context. Reese is um, a host on BBC One Extra. He's also host of Match of the Day X, which you might have seen on uh, Thursday night with Jermaine Genius and a big Fulham fan, someone that uh, myself and Jack have worked with loads over the years. We chat to Reese loads and we've been waiting for an opportunity to get him properly on Fulham-ish. So Reese, I'm I'm so excited. It's been genuinely years we've been talking about doing Can't this. Can't lie, so,
1: I've been waiting for the call up and i've been like <laughs> you know what this is these, these words are making me off at this point what's 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 didn't even get a call-up when we got promoted it's a joke mate you've been
0: you've been you've been too big de- big time for us these days you know, uh, you know bopping around on my tv on a thursday night i see you okay. it's all good and you know, running
1: around with the nfl the jags i see you everywhere these days how mate. about this have you met mr khan
2: no, have you? Did you meet him at
1: the well, weekend? you met, you met... Uh, we've met the met, other
2: Mr. Ka- we've met
1: Mr. T. Khan, but we haven't met the Mr. Khan. Oh, he smells incredible and wears a roll neck like an absolute boss. <laughs> he's, he's just a savage <laughs> in so many ways. Did you get to go on the boat? <sighs> Ridiculous. So... What? Yeah, so I I do. You um, actually... I was joking. I, I didn't realise this. I g- genuinely did. So I filmed the uh, Jaguars Weekly show. Um, yeah. I Sky sports. As part of their kind of when they come to London, um, Mr. Khan obviously pulls out the kismet, the huge $220 million <laughs> yacht. When I signed oh like, the contract to the show, they're like, yeah, you might be able to go on the yacht like, um, and, and kind of party and whatnot. Um, at the start of the series, I'm like, you're joking. They're like, no, yeah, you might actually be able to do it. The call comes through, like they day before confirmed, Noel Gallagher, perfo- Noel Gallagher, Performs what? on the second tier of the yacht, three tiers of this yacht. Second tier, does all the Oasis classics. Mr. Khan's there, um, head of every single broadcaster is there in in the UK and beyond. It's ridiculous. <laughs> there is a lift. There's a lift in the yacht. There's a lift, there's a, in, a, the there's boat. A lift in the boat. Um, <laughs> I tried caviar for the first time. <laughs> uh, there's clams. There was a guy who would, you just walk past and he'll just give you a different oyster to try. Um, I went through, I went in Mr. Khan's bedroom. Um, Sorry. To re- to, not in that way. Yeah. As part of the program, we did like an MTV cribs type thing. It's it underfloor heating in the bed. It, it's just it, Jay-Z and Beyonce also used that yacht when they went on holiday one time, like three years. It's ridiculous. It's like, honestly, Silly. Just it's yeah. Well, that
0: is something I wasn't expecting to be discussing. (laughs) But where we have it. This man's been on the Kismet. We're all in we're in business. We're in business. There we go. I think That's some start. That's the best pod opening we've ever had, I
2: think. (laughs) The podcast is pete there. Nothing we're gonna (laughs) discuss discuss now. I've got more questions about the boat. Like I genuinely joked when I said you I didn't know how many inside intel that you had. I thought like, oh,
1: have you been on the boat? I generally did mental.
2: Well, look, Rhys, it's so exciting to have you on. Um, let's get into some Fulham chat. And first of all, I think we should just do uh, a bit of a debrief on Everton. It wasn't a particularly exciting game. Obviously, you uh, you double conned this weekend, going to the Jags game and the Everton game. The cans are in town. And um, Jack, they didn't really witness a classic, did they, in terms of goals? But one of the more entertaining nil-nil draws I think I've ever been to.
0: Yeah, I said this afterwards. I thought it was it was a really good game, actually. You know, the way that the first half swung, it, you know, they started very well Everton. And we kind of got to grips with it slowly and, and kind of enforced ourselves on the game throughout the whole thing. Uh, I was, it was an intriguing contest, one that we edged, I thought. Um, I know Jack and Joe called their show, How Did We Not Win That?, But I I think you're looking at these games and thinking this is the kind of advantages of being in the league position that we are, right? And having the start that we've had because I came out of the game in nil-nil and thought, yeah, we probably should have won that, but not the end of the world. Everton, a decent side on the up and and we've taken a point from them. You offered me seven points from Leeds, Villa and Everton. I would have taken that. So I think you kind of come out of it on, on the surface of the actual game. We were the better side and you know maybe we should have had a penalty at the start of the second half. But Ultimately, just one of those, Mitchvich didn't have his, his shooting boots on for once, which which is a rarity, but I'd be more worried if he wasn't getting those chances and getting into those positions. So, you know, you take that and you take it all with a pinch of salt. I thought it was a relatively decent game. We were the better side and we can kind of walk away from that with our heads held high.
1: Agreed with that. I had my, um, uh, I brought some of my girlfriend's kind of family was over. Of course, whenever you bring... Uh, whenever you bring anyone yeah. to a game, it's nil nil. So I knew I instantly <laughs> knew it was going to be nil nil before we even kicked off. And what was it? Nil nil. Um, I agree with you. To be fair, I, I like. I, I didn't think we. I mean, obviously we were a better team, but I didn't think necessarily we had any crazy, clear-cut chances. If any, no. if anything, I would. It did get to about sixty-five minutes, and I went, "They're going to counter here." Because DCL looked, I think he just looks dangerous constantly, whether it's, for, I was waiting for a set piece for them to go in from, from uh, Calvert-Lewin. And that offside call as well, that's when I thought, ah, oh, here we go, of course. And I thought it's going to be a struggle for us to get one back um, because we didn't just, we never really looked like we were going to score or didn't look like Mitchell was going to get put yeah. through or anything like that. So uh, yeah, I'd, I'd happily take that 0-0, um, to be fair.
2: I mean, this is now the beauty, Reese, of the position that we're in. Is that a game against Everton? Let's say we were nineteenth and we'd not got many wins all season. You'd see a game like Everton at home, and it would be like, "Oh my god, we have to win." The beauty of being on eighteen points with only twelve games of the season gone is that okay, it's a nil-nil draw, but it's not the end of the world because we've done the hard work already, and another point is another point closer to safety. So yes a game that we could have won, maybe should have won on balance, but ultimately that's the, that's the brilliance of the situation that we're in. And also Jack, I, you know, I remember you and Dan talked about on that podcast about after Villa, where you were like, look, we're going to Leeds now and there's no pressure on us to win. And that might mm. like stand in our favor. And Reese, this is the kind of position that we, that we are in. And it's such a wonderful one that games come. If we win them, fantastic. We might just do that because there isn't this, pressure that we're actually if we don't win today oh my god we're 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 going to be in a crisis
1: but didn't you know this was going to be a magical season i tweeted it (laughs) <laughs> I've, I've got receipts. You've tweeted this the last three times we've come up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but one of them was going to be eventually right, <laughs> weren't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Broken clock <laughs> twice a day, right? Like,
0: yeah. <laughs> I see. You. No, but, but no, you did You did say at the start of the season you had a good feeling about
1: this. Yeah, I had a good feeling. And I'm just literally checking that tweet now. And I'm pretty sure I said we're going to be 11th. Yeah, I said this was July 7th. If we get a few more over the line, I genuinely believe 10th and 11th is achievable. and. That I know I do that in my seasons, but you've never gone that hard on it before. Yeah, I- I- exactly that because I thought there was. Yeah, you know, forgive me if you lot have already debated this, but fine. I just thought this year there are so many players that are fighting for something individually, regardless of the team, like regardless of of where we end up for their own careers. Mitro's fighting for well, obvious wants to do it in the Premiership. Then I look at people like Pereira, fighting for relevancy and this is kind of his like almost last shot almost mm-hmm. i've got Paulinho as well i'm sure there are other clubs like coming in at some point and he's gone well guaranteed to start at fulham if this goes wrong and i get relegated this this doesn't look good at all yeah. ream again everyone's giving me stick this is going to be a classic i'll go to but i can't do it in my opinion he's been brilliant uh, so far this season i think there's just so many players that are like fighting for leno like we we've signed such great we've signed so many players that are like not on their last kind of thing but just have something to go out there and prove for themselves. Yeah, hungry, hungry, and just, yeah, naturally like hungry and, and care about their careers and don't want to just go to China or whatnot, you know. Yeah, we we've talked
2: about this and and points to prove has been a bit of a cliche actually in the past few weeks. Jack and Jack even referenced that it would be a bit of a cliche um, on our podcast that we did last week. Reece. So I think you're totally right. Is that In so many positions, there is a player there that genuinely is like, I've got to, I've got to make this work for myself. Not just for the team, not just for the fact that I want Fulham to stay in the league, but nearly every position you could look at and think, okay, there is some sort of motivation there. They've had something not go quite right in the past three or four years. And and therefore, right, this is my time. And so when I think you get that as a collective and don't forget, Marco Silva is Mm. completely in that boat. So, yeah, I, I think that yeah, this is this is 100% right. And look, I think points to prove on their own don't mean that you have the start that you do. You need the quality there uh, as well, but it, it certainly helps. And if we're worried about lack of motivation through the rest of the season, let's say Fulham get safer and safer, I, I don't think that'll be the case because I think everyone on their own, you know, wants to get to that level. I, I mean, Jack, um, we're going into this Man City game on Saturday and it's it's a really weird one to call isn't it because whilst we have said on this podcast that Fulham should never look at a season and be like that's a free hit that's a free hit that's a free hit This game is just so ridiculous. The challenge is so immense and particularly at the Etihad, if you're at the cottage, you think, well, you might get the the atmosphere under the lights and stuff, but we've been to city so many times in the past few years. And I I genuinely can't remember the last time the score was uh, less than four, um, uh, you know, to, to them. So it's, it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? And, and in some ways, I think that it's quite nice that it's a free hit. That's how it felt in the FA Cup. And whilst, okay, we lost in the end, it was quite a positive attitude from Fulham. And, and I think that's what we got to take is what we did last January with a slightly better squad. Now a slightly more defensively cohesive squad, at least in terms of the midfield that we can take a bit, what we did last January, maybe scare them, maybe score a goal that we don't expect. Maybe make life difficult for city because you can never look into this game and be like, right there's a realistic chance of winning.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, we always said this. There's no free hits, and and also bear in mind that City didn't scrape past Leicester last weekend, but they weren't all that convincing either, right? It wasn't it wasn't their best performance this season. Bear in mind, we went to Arsenal, who are currently top of the league. We went to the Emirates and put up a massive fight there. I don't think it's one of those where you look at and go is a free hit. But I, I do think that if Fulham could come away from this and be like, we, we, we went and had a go. And I think that's okay. You know, they've they've had a, he- a kind of midweek game, obviously, against Sevilla. Lineups relatively heavily rotated. We've seen Sergio Gomez go in, Rico Lewis going at right back. Cole Palmer got a start. So you're still looking at these and thinking, right, they're, they're, they've rested most of their key players for this midweek Champions League clash. We don't know if Erling Haaland is going to be back. There's still this question mark over him that Pep keeps putting off and off. And and if he isn't, then that's an advantage. And I don't mean that with any sort of disrespect to Julian Alvarez, who I think is an excellent footballer. But at the moment, nobody wants to be playing against Erling Haaland because the kind of form he's in is, is ludicrous, frankly. So there are opportunities here. I don't think this side is... You know, completely and utterly unbeatable. We've seen that in the in the league already this season. They've been they've been toppled. Um, they've also dropped points here and there. So it's it's not a side that you can go right. They are they're going to win thirty eight games out of thirty eight. And there's also this kind of element. I think oh, this and the Manchester United game the week after where players are looking to the World Cup. And, and I kind of mentioned this a little bit about Harry Wilson last week, and that there's no blame attached to this, because players are looking at this World Cup, especially players in the prime of their careers, and going, right, we need to, we need to just make sure that we're not missing that. Because they're going down like flies at the moment. And that's a, a thing about congested schedules. It's the thing about the fact that we've had a lot of football, no real breaks, fine, all of that. But if you're Kevin De Bruyne and there's a massive, you know, one-on-one going on in the middle of the park with Harrison Reed, who's not going to be going to the World Cup. Are you going to be going, oh, I'm not sure I 100% want to be in that challenge? Now, there's a dangerous thing to be part of that. And Joe Cole's talked about it a lot on on Punditry, that it's actually when you kind of pull out of those challenges that you do get injured rather than than going into them full throttle. But I do wonder if there's just an element of eyes are turning towards the World Cup. And if you can put out a team that are fearless and willing to kind of open quick, breakneck speed, um, and put City under it a little bit, is there that element that you can put in of of doubt in these players that you can go, I just don't want this today? And, and and maybe not. Maybe the answer is that City are too good and they're gonna have all of the ball, and that's gonna be that. But I think you can give them a go. And I think you can you can come out of the blocks fast. And if Fulham do that, hey, why not?
2: I mean, Reese, um, it's such a daunting proposition. All of these players that that City have. Um their entire bench would probably um, get into our first team. Um, But City have been susceptible to one thing this season, the long ball, the straight down the middle. We saw Liverpool uh, profit from it. And what's a team that's been uh, liking their long balls this season? Fulham, So maybe Marco Silva might have a few little tricks up his sleeve and uh, be able to spot the weaknesses that that City have because they are there. They're hard to implement. And then even if you can get that one or two moments a game where you can find a weakness in the City defense, obviously you then still have to uh, come up against a relentless City who will batter you for 80 minutes. But there are chinks in the armor. And um, a team like Fulham, especially with the way that Marcus Silva um, has been able to be so tactically flexible, I'm not putting it past him to be able to find those weaknesses in City and be able to mould his team to, to that.
1: And where do you see that coming from? Do you think we are just bully them in terms of the long ball and set pieces? Because I'm trying to get in my head. I'm like, where does that go? If, we get a, if, it's not a, if it's not a nil-nil, where do we get that goal from? And I go... Pellinia,
0: 25-yard rocket
2: off a corner. <laughs> Bang. Done. But you look at our set pieces, and this, Fulham is the kind of team...
0: We're very good at set pieces these days.
2: That are very, yeah, very good at set pieces. I, that I, would, I would back us to score this weekend. I wouldn't think it was impossible that Fulham will score this weekend. Now, can we stop ourselves conceding four? That's another matter. Well, but we've seen Palace of the team in the last few years that I feel like have been one of the best at Man City. Mm. And Palace's strategy has often been get a couple of goals against the run of play and hold on. And Even this season, Palace went 2-0 up at Man City. They were able to kind of find those moments of brilliance, great set pieces, strikes from long distance, long balls and stuff like that. This season, they couldn't hold on. But in previous seasons, they have. So there is part of me, 10% of me that just thinks if there was a team to do it and on
1: current form, it could be us, yes. and I must say on that um, on that Everton game, our our left wing looked so dangerous with Robinson cutting in and, and Willian as well. We looked incredible down that side. Um, uh, I, I I mean, my gut says it's going to be like a it's it's an engine battle. It's going to be Reed and Paulina putting their foot down. And I think we slightly got that same issue that you were saying with Kevin De Bruyne in Parliña. I mean, he's going to the world cup, but I, I mean, I can't, not saying Kevin De Bruyne is not the top player and he's going to do that. And, be half-hearted but i feel like Paulinho just gets it's just in his dna just to get stuck in and and like and he knows no other um yeah with his with his mankind um wristband that he's rocking i also think
0: the next world cup will be the one that Jar paulina is starting for portugal in so therefore he's not looking at this as you know he's not he's not he will be definitely part of that side, part of the squad, and, and we'll get minutes, I think, at the World Cup if he's there and fit. But I, I don't think he's going to be starting for Portugal on a regular basis. Maybe he should be, but I, I don't think he's going to be. Fernando Sanchez is one of those managers who doesn't like to change what's, what he's doing on a mm. regular basis. And I think that maybe plays a part. You know, he's like, I've just had a kid <laughs> last week. He's like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to a World Cup to make, you know, it, it, it's not the end of the world. Whereas for Kevin De Bruyne, this is, you know, his and that Belgium generation's, I think, last real shot. Back glory. And and so, and, but I mean, this isn't necessarily the point, but I'm just kind of looking at it and going, how many of these players, and this is what we were saying about Harry Wilson. You know, I think Harry Wilson is wary because he's just coming back from an injury and he's a little bit concerned about re-aggravating it ahead of World Cup. Fair enough, completely reasonable. He also doesn't know if Wales are going to be at the next World Cup. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think Poligno will, will feel that his big opportunity on the international stage is maybe not this
1: tournament. I... <laughs> I'm not saying I'm a wizard when it comes to predicting games. Um, I'm not. I, I just can't. I just can't see where this goes. I've. N- I've. N- this is one of those. I go. If I'm trying to do like an accumulator this weekend, I stay away from this game, and I look at that. And here's my ridiculous degenerate logic that I would go. I would stick away from that game, meaning therefore we could get a point because the whole country is going to be putting everything they've got on City as an easy home win. And I go, wouldn't that be the game that messes up everyone's accumulator? Yeah. yeah, Would, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it activist. just? Is, isn't, buster, it, isn't, it? isn't it just? Yeah. I, I, think I, there's, so. I think there's a chance. I think it's just, I, I still think it's unlikely, but
0: I think there's a chance that Fulham go there and, and cause a bit of a fluff. I think just get them frustrated. Yeah, Like, yeah, it, yeah,
1: you yeah. know, if Holland doesn't start and you can't bring him on and, and, you know, then suddenly you've got this, like, I'm not saying where do they get that goal from, but I mean, you know, we can't bring yeah. we can't bring him on, so okay, where where are we going? Where, where is the where is that big spark coming in? Where who is that player they're gonna bring on that's gonna get the stadium going, Oh we're here here we go, we're sorted now. It's coming. And if we can frustrate them, especially get like an early goal or something out of you know, out of a set piece, then it could be could get City a bit rattled here. Yeah,
2: I honestly think there's a chance. Like, there's also a chance we lose five nil and there's nothing in it. I think it all depends, though, kind of how we start, Jack. Those those games against Fan City is just is just can you control it? Can you get that early goal? And look, if Haaland doesn't start, there has been lots of cases recently where they have struggled to to find um, goals. And just look at this from a Fulham perspective, Jack. Mm. Um, there's um, still a bit of debate maybe with who starts on the wing Wilson, um, didn't massively impress in the, uh, cameo that he had off the bench, um, against Everton. However, I would have thought this would be a perfect 90 minutes for him to play considering the lack of pressure, considering that Harry Wilson, always always got a moment of magic in him. I potentially would look to start, um, Wilson instead of a Cabano and then bring someone like Cabano back off the bench, the other kind of area where we've not known who's going to play recent weeks has been in defence. Um, but to me, I feel like it's probably Diop and, and and Ream from now on. I guess the other question mark is whether Kenny Tete comes back in, considering he had quite a considerable cameo against Everton. So they're the three areas that really, for me, seem up for debate.
0: I think Tete definitely comes back in. I'd actually start uh, Bobby Reed on the right hand side. Um, and yeah. William on the left. I just think with Harry Wilson, if there are these concerns about his injury and, and the reoccurrence of it, then you know, give him those twenty minutes and, and just let him kind of feel his way back into into full fitness. Um, so I just think that might be that might be one for him. And he scored against Man United as well. Remember a couple of times before, so I, I think these might be the games that that one might be the game that you go right, go on then, Harry, have your ninety before the World Cup. So mm-hmm. I, I would I would probably start. Bobby Reid, as much for his defensive acumen going backwards uh, as anything else. Uh, And I'd start Kenny Tete there. So that would be, they would be my maneuvers into this team.
2: Interesting about Bobby Reid. I hadn't realized this. He started every game. Mm. Has he really? Uh, yeah, but, but despite the fact he's played so many different positions all through, he still managed to start every game. So, like you know, he's still slightly undroppable um, at this point. Um, Reese, what would you go with um, if you were silver for this weekend in the, in those positions that I mentioned? Interested to get your thoughts on um, on Diop as well, and and uh, whether he, you think he deserves to kind of have that starting centre back berth above
1: Tosin. I mean, I would love to know kind of behind the scenes how you know all three of them are kind of dealing with this. Reem, Tosin, and Diop. Like, I wonder what... Is it like a, in training, It's that's how it's being decided? Um, but, I mean, Diop getting his, his start, he has kind of looked like you can't really... I wouldn't really want to take him out. Um, mm. So I would go with Diop and Reem at the back. Um, I, I'd agree on Tete coming in for this one, especially. I really love Bobby Reed. I think he's he's the guy. But also I think Cabano has that magic sometimes and especially watching him against Everton. When he gets out of some of those, I think he can really light things up. Um, So I would just go on, I would go on momentum. I would start Bobby Reid because I feel like he would just bring that kind of electricity and then bring on Cabano. Um, Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, that's that's where I go with it that moment
2: in the Everton game underrated moment where he was um, circled by three Everton Mm -hmm. players. And I remember thinking like, you are never getting out of this Niskins. There's no way there's not, there's nowhere for you to go. There's no option for a pass. There's no, you're just going to lose the ball here. The best you could probably do is kick it off someone into touch. And the fact he managed to find a little and squeeze through that little gap back into the center of the pitch. I was, I was so glad that was one of the few things that made match of the day on, uh, on Saturday. Cause it was a, it was a, it was a magic little moment for knee And
1: And he has so many of those moments that like, I, I literally kind of, when I was watching, I was like, Oh yeah, that's why he was at PSG. Like that's why, like he, he's uh, obviously all professional football is incredible, but there's moments like that where I go, yeah, that's like, it's different quality, you know? Yeah, that ball manipulation he has, it, it,
0: it is unbelievable. And we saw, I think, you know, we talked about this last year. We saw that kind of rise in level last year, and he's carried that straight on as the Premier League. And that deserves immense credit um, because there was a lot of detractors and there was a lot of naysayers uh, around Niskins, especially considering what happened. And he was loaned out the last time that we, we came up. So, yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I think he's, he's he's been in wonderful form. Um, and I just like Bobby Reed's defensive work. Right? I think Niskins is, works really hard defensively as well. I just think in this kind of game, especially if you've got Cancelo bombing forward on that side. I just would rather have Bobby Reid just tracking back constantly just to, just to kind of shore that up a little bit, I
2: think. Yeah, 100%. Right, we're going to take a break there. Afterwards, uh, I'm going to be speaking to Tom Greatjokes from the Fulham Sports Trust. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast, and it is Sammy back here, not with Jack, uh, but with Tom Greattrex from the Fulham Supporters Trust. Tom, how you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Sammy. Uh, you're live in Washington, DC, I, I, I see.
3: Yeah, always in this great town.
2: Yeah, and uh, no always, no matter where you are, still able to put your Fulham hat on at will.
3: Absolutely. Well, I went to watch basketball last night, which is um, a very different type of live sport experience than, uh, than football. What was the, what was the match? It was the, um, what are they call Washington Wizards against the Detroit Pistons. Okay. Um, Washington Wizards won, but to say that I'm not really quite sure what the, you know, what the rules of basketball are other than the bit about shooting the hoop, I, it would be, um, stretching my, uh, my knowledge of basketball, but it was a, a cultural experience.
2: I did a, um, I was obviously in America last week, as I might have referenced a few times on the podcast. Sorry, I keep going on about it. I'm back in England now. Um, and uh, I did a team exchange uh, with one of the colleagues out there. So I told him that he had to support Fulham FC because he was like, oh, I need, I want an English soccer team. I was like, well, yeah. Fulham FC is great. But in return, I had to support the Brooklyn Nets. Um, so I now a Nets fan. Um, they also play in black and white, which I quite like, and they're the smaller team in the city. So I thought there was a lot of similarities, um, between Fulham and the Brooklyn Nets. Um, uh, I'm sure there's a few uh, Americans listening right now who have uh, turned off the podcast and discussed <laughs> at the NBA team that I've now chosen to support, but, uh, tough luck. Um, Tom, uh, it's been a interesting few weeks off the pitch for Fulham. Obviously it's going amazingly on it, And I'm sure that you guys at the Fulham Supporters Trust are delighted with that. But off the pitch, um, I feel like things are a bit fraught and um, we should probably discuss the elephant in the room, which is the topic that's been a lot of uh, lips again this week. Once again, it's ticket prices and yet more scandalous ticket pricing from the club. It's not it's nothing new. It's not even that shocking anymore. Although this one even by Fulham standards, I thought was particularly eye-watering, which is the Southampton prices, New Year's Eve. It will cost you £60 for an adult if you want to be in the Hammersmith End, it'll cost you £65 in the Putney End, uh, £90 in the new uh, Riverside Stands. And whilst the club tried to tell us that their pricing in those Category A-plus matches was a, was a one-off... Um, early in the season when all the fury happened around the Liverpool game. And I think one of the kind of more measured opinions at the time was like, okay, well, let's see what the other games are like. If it's fine for the other games, then maybe we, maybe we can slowly stomach these big games. But for a team like Southampton at home and absolutely no disrespect for anyone that's got a connection to saints, but you're not the biggest game of the season. If there were categories, I'd have surely imagined this would be a category B or C. There's nothing between the teams. They're not a particularly big or exciting team. So those prizes, um, Tom, are, are pretty eye-watering. And I imagine the trust were as disappointed as, as the rest of us, really, when they saw them.
3: Yeah. I mean, look, when we think back when we discussed this, just after the Liverpool prices came out and we talked about the what they call the dynamic pricing model, which Fulham use. Um, you know, If we weren't doing as well, I suspect that those prices for Southampton would probably be more akin to perhaps the Brentford prices or potentially not the Brighton prices, but Brentford prices, those sort of uh, medium in the range they've had. Um, you know, we've continued to argue that and say to Fulham, look, you know, particularly behind the goals, you're in a situation where you're, you're, you're making it very difficult for longstanding Fulham fans who don't have season tickets to be able to get to games because it's just unaffordable. Um, and I, I genuinely think that is that is definitely the case. I know of a number of people who've basically said that they can't afford to go at the prices. They went, they've been to, they went to the. Uh, I know people went to the Brighton game, and they've been to a, one of the other games. I think um, might be in the Bournemouth games. They've been to a couple, but you know they didn't usually plan to go to more than that. Um, and that's the that's the danger with this. We have tried to persuade them, seek to persuade the club that doing something a bit more you know, to enable there to be some seats behind the goals that are at a different price, even if others and in the Riverside stand and in the few that are in the Johnny Haynes stand are at a higher price to sort of help to to do that. The issue we've got though, frankly, is they're selling out. You know, and if they're selling out from a Fulham perspective, from a Fulham football club perspective and the financial targets they have, they'll look at that and say, well, you know, they're not that interested in which Fulham fans are going, as long as we're able to sell the seats. And um, that unfortunately it's a Something that other clubs have been through is what what is happening now. Allied to a move which we're seeing, it's happened at happening at West Ham this year and at others where the cap on season tickets and the number of season tickets is is significantly lower than the capacity, and the matchday prices are higher because from a football club perspective they look at it they get more value out of people who might only go once or twice and be able to pay significantly higher prices and they might only go once or twice a year they might have a higher spend per head because they might spend more in the shop and various other things at the same time and I'm afraid that is the model that Fulham and others have adopted um, I still am concerned that once the full Riverside stand is is open and if the um, you know the, the experience of doing well has maybe dissipated a bit and we're not doing quite as well and there's less novelty about being in a Premier League again um, or if we do get relegated that it will be much more difficult um, to be able to sell and I think that's just the reality of the situation from Fulham's from club's perspective they'll probably say well look, we've got a dynamic dynamic pricing model if those are the circumstances we'll adjust the prices downwards but it doesn't help foster the long term fan base and I think that's the real issue of concern here
2: Yeah and I just wondered, what is the next step? I I know that part of this, um, you did the survey after the Liverpool game where you asked fans opinions on those ticket pricing and kind of as you'd expect, the overwhelming majority um, thought that the club's ticket pricing was wrong and they were uh, either extremely angry or disappointed. But I remember there was one question in there about what would you like to see the FST or generally supporters do about this. And I am loath to for Fulhamish to organise this again if I'm being brutally honest. I would want it to be a, a much wider fan thing if ever that was the case from, from from our perspective. But obviously, do you think it's going to reach the point where there is some sort of coordinated protest against the club? Because it's bordering on that kind of level again that we saw three years ago and the reaction online to the ticket prices, has been particularly vociferous this time around, even if it is, I think, slightly dissipated by how well the club's doing. Do you think there is the appetite in the fan base to want to do that?
3: Um, At the moment, frankly, no. I don't think there is. And I think the reason for that, well, there's two bits to it. Firstly is, if you're trying to um, arrange and organise a protest at a ground, the people that are going to be in the ground are not necessarily the people that are going to be most Affected by this because they can't afford the tickets, point. they're not going to be there. Um, the second reason is um, uh, because we are doing well on the pitch, and it is uh, a reality that you know that if you're positive about the stuff on the pitch, other stuff people sort of seem to let go a bit more. Um, so at the moment, I don't, I don't think there is, and you know the club aren't stupid; they realise that as well. Um, and it's very difficult because. In that scenario, I think the best thing we can do is continue to try to argue about, uh, you know, argue to the club and try and seek to persuade them of doing what you can see some other clubs are being able to do, which is to have some amount of tickets that you can have at, you know, a different rate. Maybe you want to do it in a way where they're sold further in advance or various other things you can do or, you know, two or three matches together or something that gives you a bit better value to try to cater to that bit of the fan base that you know, have long been Fulham fans. Well, they're in the tough times, Um, they're even a couple of seasons ago, but aren't going to be there as, uh, as often. But that needs to appeal to a mentality at Fulham, which I don't think really is there at the moment. You know, it's yeah. about at the moment maximising income, maximising revenue. And Fulham will say, well, we need to do that because there are financial fair play limits. There are lots of other things we have to do. So we have our targets to meet in terms of ticketing and, other revenue and various other things to be able to pay back the capital parcel, of the stand, to be able to ensure that we meet financial fair play, and all of those factors. Um, now, I've got limited sympathy for that when you think about how much overall impact ticket revenue has in the in the grand scheme of things in the Premier in the Premier League. But that's the argument that will be used, um, and you know, I, I feel like we have to keep plugging away at it. But I don't think there's going to be a, a an immediate. Um, favourable response, frankly.
2: No, and I agree with what you're saying in terms of, I just wish the club was smarter. I wish that there was ways and means that, you know, the point that we keep going on about is... This is priced. There is is a significant amount of Fulham fans that currently feel priced out, and they have been there in the in the dark days, the good days. They've just been there for a long time. I do also slightly understand that there is a market of fans, particularly in London, who will pay kind of any price to go to a, a, a match. If I was in the States, I would probably pay a much higher price than I'm used to for a sports match. If it was an NBA an NFL match, because I'm a tourist and I would want to go and do that th- thing. It's a one-off. If I was in Madrid, I might pay more than I would usually want to pay for a match to go to somewhere like the Burnabout. And the cottage has that kind of charm and appeal. And so I, I kind of understand that. Look, wh- why not? Why not take that kind of big amount of money? However, can we not think of a better membership scheme that? Is is more exclusive? Is is kind of harder to get into? You can not just be bought by away fans because otherwise that just kind of makes the point of that. Is there some way where you can create a you know maybe it's people buying six tickets a season before the start season starts at like a better rate than not uh, uh, than your individual match ticket, not quite as good as a season ticket. Um, I mean, the real, I think, proof in the pudding and where where for me, I could see a protest is if the season tickets hike. If the season tickets went up, Tom, surely then that would be actually the straw that broke the camel's back for a lot of people because suddenly then a lot more fans are impacted and that would really raise concerns.
3: Yeah, I mean, we've got to remember that of our current capacity, most of those in the home areas are season tickets, majority of season tickets. And there are very good value season tickets in a lot of cases and particularly for, uh, for kids. And look, and, and Fulham have always said, well, we, we we have reasonable season tickets, prices, we pride ourselves on that. But the quid pro quo is that match day prices are, um, are significantly higher. Look, I think the test will come next season when there's that full capacity because then we're probably at least to start with in a position where there's more supply than demand that isn't the case right at the moment um and that's where you know there are all sorts of initiatives that other clubs do um I mean I was uh, I went to Leeds on on uh on Sunday but on Saturday because I was in Yorkshire I went to the Harrogate to watch their their League Two Harrogate town and they and I know Oxford which is near me and I've actually got one of these they have like a six match flexi ticket where you know, you you pick six matches, um, you don't have to pick them straight up, you know, as they come on sale, you've got the next priority to be able to do that. And the prices are, you know, I think it's like, you know, roughly like it was 120 quid for six games. And if you bought match by match tickets, it would be 135 or something like that. It's a bit of a discount of already reasonable prices to try to get people to go again. Um, but that's a marketing thing where they've got more um, capacity than than demand. If that starts to shift, then maybe that's when we could try to do that. And we will continue to plug away at those types of things about ways of recognising, as you say, that long-term fan base that can't afford season tickets. And I don't think it's impossible to have uh, a mix of all of these things. You can still have the premium tickets in the Riverside stand. And if there are people that are prepared to pay, you know, those the highest prices for games, then they can, um, but you can do that at the same time if you're clever about it and responsive about it, and you're actually serious about all of your language about being custodians and how much Fuller means to people, etc. That we see so trotted out in the program notes every couple of months when when they're written for the for the owner, he makes that point a lot. You know, mm. if they if they're serious about that, then you can do that. You can have some seats, you can have some areas that have a lower price than even the rest of them in behind the goal, and significantly lower than along the sides and that's the best way of trying to be able to cater for everybody so we don't lose what are the people that will be there it's probably a when eventually um, we do go down again and we're back in you know the football league or if we're in the premier league but you know the novelty's gone and we're sort of playing in a 29,000 seater stadium and we're 16th or 17th and and you know back to what it was like um, 10 years or so ago though all those are realistic and potentially likely scenarios and I would just wish the club would think about those in a bit more of a long term and think about the broad range of people that you ideally would want to have at the ground because you want to have it as full as possible. And that includes, yes, people who will go once a season um, or twice a season and pay significant prices. Yes, there's a, a wealthy wealthier contingent within London. We see West Ham doing a similar sort of thing. And you want to get those people in. But also don't forget those people that are you know the long-term um, people who will, who will remain loyal to Fulham as their club all the way through unless they feel that they're priced out permanently. And that's, that's the risk with these types of prices, I think. And look, we've made that point a number of times. The club are aware of where we're coming from, um, but we haven't managed to persuade them yet.
2: No. Um, another thing that uh, has been incredibly disappointing in the past few weeks has been some of Fulham's commercial partnerships. Um, first of all, obviously, there was uh, the club sponsor, which we kind of covered on this show. And then much more recently, we spoke to Martin Calladine about this part, uh, the partnership with Titan Capital Markets. And this one particularly troubling, I think. And nearly every Fulham fan that I've spoke to that has kind of read Martin's article or Peter's subsequent article in The Athletic about it has just being astonished that this was able to happen. Um, You brought this to the attention of the club. Not that they probably needed you to bring the attention to it, but you raised it in the most recent meeting. And I must admit, Tom, I read the club's response and was aghast. It was basically just, yeah, we know, and we're not going to do much about it. I know I have horribly paraphrased there, but I was stunned.
3: Yeah, well, look, you know, what Martin um, Caldine un- uncovered about Titan wasn't very hard to uncover. I mean, he's a great investigative journalist, but he didn't need to be that great <laughs> sure. of an investigative journalist to find some of this stuff out. And, you know, the fact that the, uh, the website, as soon as those stories started to come out and Peter's pieces and other pieces, that the website was blocked from the UK and all this sort of stuff, should have been enough, I think, for the club to seek to take some action. You know, the, the notes for that meeting, their notes rather than minutes, took longer to come out than usual, partly because we have to get everything fact-checked. And uh, I've always done this, that the wording of what Fulham say, we get them to approve and check so we don't act, you know, inadvertently say something wrong. And it took a lot longer than, than a number of cases because of this issue. Um, because our view is very strongly, look, it, it, it isn't a judgment on whether or not Fulham should have commercial partnerships that are not necessarily aimed at Fulham supporters or whether or not you should have commercial partnerships that are in uh, industries or sectors that you might have issues with. But where you've got a situation, as with Titan, where there are serious, real serious questions about the uh, legality of aspects of the uh, way in which that Um, company operates in different markets around the world that we know regulators are looking at it has an impact on the reputation of the club and the fact that the club's due diligence which they assured us they do didn't uncover that suggests to me that either the due diligence wasn't applied in this case or wasn't good enough or if you're being really cynical about it they just didn't care and it's hard not to at least think of that as being a plausible conclusion. And that's what I think is so, um, dispiriting about this because, you know, you do not want the reputation of your club to be solid by associated with something which at best looks a bit dodgy.
2: Well, the post meeting from the FST was, uh, the, the trust suggested, um, uh, an ethics committee Um, to to Fulham. Um, However, um, the club disagreed that uh, that was necessary and uh, Alistair McIntosh felt that the current sponsorship committee was a sufficient process in this respect. Um, And I haven't seen a comment like this from the trust in a long time where it said the trust is disappointed that the club feels unable to comment and remains concerned about the specific commercial partnership with Titan Capital Markets, particularly given the website has been subsequently blocked in the UK and that they will monitor developments. Um, It was good felt like quite a strong thing from the trust to say. And, um, I think it showed the gravity of the situation there.
3: Yeah. Look, um, I'm not going to try and pretend that, you know, the nature of the relationship, the trust has with the club is that it's very easy, frankly, to be, um, hypercritical and adversarial and everything you don't really influence very much that way so we try to as far as we can be responsible what we do bring concerns express views come up with solutions and ideas and sometimes we've managed to do that in a way they've taken forward but sometimes you just have to say fundamentally disagree and on this I think we do the attitude from the club and the commercial drivers is very different from what we think is in the is in the sort of uh, you know interest of the of the club and the reputation of the club. I think you know that as as, as you just quoted, they uh, the club does have a sponsorship committee, um, but I would question how effective that is. If this got through that process, it really shouldn't have shouldn't have been. You know, and I think the club's approach is sort of well, we'll just hope it all goes away. And they seem more annoyed the fact that we that we actually commented on it, having been press for a comment from from the Athletic over the course of a couple of days rather than um, ahead of the notes of the meeting going out. But that's because it took so long. And, you know, I think sometimes you need to appreciate um, that um, being a critical friend and at at points when you need to be a constructive critic um, and being independent means that sometimes you might need to say something publicly that, the other side might not like but that is that is a reality of we think it isn't just me speaking this is on behalf of the board of the trust and the board of the trust is responsive to our membership that actually it might not many people amongst our fan base might have noticed this but i suspect a lot more will even when we get to a point where more is uncovered about Titan and there are big issues and just think, how the hell do we end up in a situation with a club which prides itself on being and talks about being a family club, an authentic club, you know, all of the history, um, everything that goes with it, with something that just seems so very questionable. I wouldn't put it any stronger than that for legal reasons, but, um, yeah, it, it really, we really shouldn't be, uh, I don't think, in the market or, uh, of having commercial partnerships without a much higher standard of due diligence.
2: And finally, Tom, uh, at Fulham Sports Trust AGM, uh, around the corner.
3: Yeah, 17th of November. So members of the trust should by now have had or about to have um, an email with joining instructions. It's online. We Hopefully we'll will be the last one we do online. We're going to do things in, in person again uh, very soon. Um, so we have to do all the... Business of the of the AGM, which um which I know is a bit perfunctory, but we have to go through that. Um we'll be starting the process for elections to the board. There'll be um I'll be standing down as chair and hopefully we'll be needing a new board, new chair, etc. Um uh, but we'll also be joined by Abdus Awadu, um uh, former Fulham player, obviously, but also someone who's been very uh, involved in in campaigning and issues around the World Cup in Qatar, so he's going to talk to us, um, well, about whatever people want to ask questions about. So you know about his time at Fulham, about what he's been doing on Qatar, about the World Cup, and any other issues you want to. So um, if you are a trust member, please um, look out for that email, register, and, and join the AGM on the seventeenth. And also please consider, you know, if you the issues we've been talking about and others, if you want to be part of trying to um, help inform Fulham help them understand the views of supporters and want to get involved and and, uh, um, join the board, then there's an opportunity to stand for election um, coming up. So please also consider doing that.
2: Tom from the DC, thank you very much for joining us on Fulhamish.
3: Cheers. Thanks, Sammy.
2: Part three of the Fulhamish podcast. It's Sammy here on the Thursday Club, back with Jack Collins and our special guest, Reese Parkinson. Yes, lads. (laughs)
0: Yo, <laughs> you never, you never let us talk in part three. What is this? You just keep switching up the rules, Sammy, man.
2: Oh, just for Reese, He's our special <laughs> guest. <laughs> Um, thanks so much to uh, Tom Greatrex from the Fulham Supporters Trust. Um, really interesting to get um, his take on everything that's happened at the moment. Um, it wasn't mentioned in the interview with him, but the Fulham Supporters Trust annual survey is out right now. And uh, you probably heard Farrell talking a bit about this on Sunday. Um, you know, it's hugely important that we get as many Fulham fans as possible taking part in that survey. I think they have passed the 2,000 people threshold in the past couple of years, um, really gives the supporters trust a mandate, uh, to the club and, uh, allows them to kind of validate all the views that are in the survey. The more people that fill it in, I filled it in this morning on my dog walk, it took me less than five minutes. And, um, you know, you're able to give your opinions on, um, what the club is doing. Um, you know, for me personally, like things like the facilities and the hammy end, I I think are hugely important. And I think the club is not doing enough about those and doing the survey is my opportunity to kind of Answer my question on that, and that I think that's personally important. So I'd, I'd strongly encourage you to do the same. Um, there's loads of links about. If you find the Fulham Supporters Trust on uh, Twitter, you'll find the links there. Uh, there's also the Fulham Supporters Trust website where you'll see the links to fill it in. You don't need to be a member of the Supporters Trust uh, to fill in the survey either. Obviously, great if you are a member of the Supporters Trust, but they want to catch all Fulham fans, so definitely do that if you can. Right. Lads, let's do some questions from the question bag before we do this'll catch on. Uh, we have a bumper this'll catch on today um, in honor of Reese. He kind of mixing his music and sports. Um, it's the feature that also does the same. Um, so, yeah, we can't wait to get Reese's opinion on some of your this'll catch ons. There's some brilliant ones today. But let's do some questions first. And we got some questions today uh, from our Fulhamish community on Telegram. Thanks to all the people that are in the Fulhamish community. Um, Lucy show has asked the first question
1: says how one of these are going to be about, uh, the Ruben Loftus cheek debacle, isn't it? <laughs> I, I can, I can, I can guarantee God, on, go on, no, give it. None of them are, but I will ask you, know- you
2: about <laughs> that at the, at the end. Um, she says, how much is Fabio Carvalho missing Fulham? Given that Liverpool are below us, in brackets, maybe not for long, did he make the right decision to go? On the same subject, how much are we actually missing him? Would have been great for him to stay, but I don't think I'm missing him as much as I thought. I love all Willian offers in his game and the maturity stakes and power Par- Pere- oh, Sorry. I love all that Willian offers in his game and the maturity stakes plus Pereira's passion. Thoughts?
1: Carvalho would have been unreal to keep unreal so I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't agree with that i think he would have but, but but does he get in this let's say tomorrow
2: fabio carvalho turns up at motspur park do you take out andres pereira and put fabio carvalho in on current
1: form uh that's not fair um I, <laughs> regarding kind of form yes from me interesting uh well like de- depending on who we play i don't think it's a valid opinion yeah, but- i just i, I think it's I think it's a
2: fascinating question that I, I mean, the start of the season, it would have been flipping no brainer. I was gutted that Fabio Carvalho left, but right now Pereira is, is pulling up trees and I I don't think you can drop him.
1: It's kind of love. I guess like they are two very different players and Pereira just doesn't stop running. Um, He's just, just an animal. Uh, But I think maybe I should have said it would have been amazing to have them both. That would have been like, oh my God, can you imagine getting one of them off the bench? Yeah. like yeah, how yeah. spoiled would we have been or you know obviously you don't want this to happen but it just takes one injury to Pereira and he's out for a, like a month and a bit and you know hey we've got Cavallo, it's all good or, or vice versa um, and in terms of him making the wrong decision going to Liverpool I always just had him as and, and I always say this but I, I always just had him as a Real Madrid player <laughs> he, just, he just looked Madrid to me I just thought if he's going to make that move like doesn't he go kind of abroad to I kind of looked at Liverpool thing and I went, well, okay, like cool, and I didn't think he'd start as much as he is. But obviously, it's they've had some issues. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I've
0: I've I've been. I think he'd be relatively happy um, with, with where he's at and the amount of minutes he's getting at, at Liverpool. Now he won't be happy about the way that they're playing. But but equally, I think that he he'll be looking at this and thinking this is a massive opportunity for me to to stake a claim here. And and I think that obviously. When you're looking at where he's going to move to, you're looking at a team that's going to you know, get the best out of him. And I think that is and remains as a number 10. And Liverpool didn't start the season like that. They have shifted into that shape a little bit more often this season than I thought they were going to do off the bat. Um, but but we'll see how, how that kind of develops. Uh, I just think that when you're looking at someone like Fabio, you look at the coaching staff and facilities and and, and the youth setups available to them. And don't get me wrong, this is not any sort of slight on Fulham's because uh, we have such a wonderful academy and and set up and coaching staff down at Motspur but I've been lucky enough to talk to some of the, the, you know, the coaching staff around. It's not Melwood anymore. Now it's Kirby, isn't it? Um, at, at Liverpool, Alex Inglethorpe and the like, and and being able to hear their kind of strategies and pathways between youth players and the first team. It's so easy to forget how young Fabio is because he was so good last season. Um, I, I think these pathways and the setups and things will help him there. and And the fact that he's around such quality players and, we are talking about this the other day about um, Harvey Elliott rather than Fabio, but and I'm sorry to blaspheme on, on, on the show. But we were talking about, you know, he's, there was a moment where Liverpool scored a couple of weeks back and you could see after the goal that Mo Salah was coaching Harvey Elliott through the, the kind of move beforehand, even though they'd scored and, you know, they were celebrating. He was talking to him and you could just see Elliott absorbing it all. And, and I think it's a really interesting kind of capacity to be learning from those kind of players. You know, some of, some of the best in the world. I think Fabio won't look at this as, as a move that he's, he's regretting in the slightest. I'd love to have him still at Fulham. We said this last year. I think he's a wonderful footballer and I think he's going right to the top. Um, but equally, I don't think he'll be regretting that move.
2: That's my opinion on this, is that, that I don't think this, is, I think this has worked out perfectly for Fabio Carvalho. He's, he's a, a yes. Okay, would he love to live, if Liverpool win in the league? Fabio's probably not in the team. Fabio's and Liverpool probably don't have the injuries that they do because that's a big part of what's um, causing Liverpool problems at the moment. Yes, it's a transition year and yes, I don't think they were ever going to catch Man City, even if everyone was fully fit, but they're struggling massively with injuries right now. It means that Fabio's getting first team football playing for Liverpool, even if it's, you know, cameos here off the bench. If he'd have gone to a Man City, Then he wouldn't be playing. Then it's a a move that he would regret. I think this has worked perfectly for Fabio. Does it really matter that Liverpool aren't challenging for trophies to him personally this season? Personally, I don't think so. I think this is is benefiting him. And I actually think that it's the perfect move. I think if he was back at Fulham to answer Lucy's question right now, I wouldn't change this team because I think Fulham is playing so brilliantly, but it would be a brilliant option to have he would, he would have
0: started the season though, if he was still but here. There's exactly. absolutely no doubt about that. So, so that's 100%.
2: What that's what I mean. And I don't know if you sign Andreas Pereira or if Fabio Cavallo is still here. Because if I'm Andreas Pereira, whilst yes, his stock was low... I don't think his stock was that low where he'd be like, cool. I really want to go and be a backup midfielder for Fulham this season. I think first team football was part of the promise to someone like Andreas Pereira. Um, And so I think one doesn't happen without the other. And I don't think Fulham are the kind of team that could ever have the luxury of having both realistically. So without European football, no. Yeah. It's one of those kind of luxuries that realistically we never would have had anyway. And I'm just wishing Fabio Cavalli all the best, really. Yeah, I think that this season will be doing his development the world of good. And I think now we'll see him get to that top top level that I think we all know that um, he could be. Uh, next question from Tim Britton. He says that as cohesion and familiarity seems such a key component of a successful team, is it more important to keep the same team working on honing its patterns and sense of togetherness? Or do you think we need to make some changes to give some people some playing time? Wilson, James, maybe resting Mitro, start Vinicius. Personally, I think changing Tete and stick to our guns, see how we do about the best team to learn lessons from our new and the others. So I guess Tim's question here is... Is Man City an opportunity, given the difficulty of the game, Reese, to give a couple of fringe players some minutes and the kind of perverseness of it that you're facing the best team. We might as well give Vinicius 15 minutes just so that he's uh, he's still a little bit sharp. Uh,
1: what are you, are you saying to start him or bring him on 15 minutes? Because, yeah, we ain't taking Mitchell off, you're insane. Like no. it, with Mitro on, we still ha- I, with, with okay. So if Mitro wasn't playing, or he's out injured. I think that whole conversation we just had ten minutes ago is irrelevant. We would have spoke for two minutes, and gone. Yeah, we lost. We're, we're, we're yeah. done. So I mean, no, I guess would would be my answer. I mean, yeah, if we if we're getting battered or it looks like we're out yeah take off metro but I, I don't think so i mean a good problem to have nonetheless but i still feel like we're we're finding out where james kind of fits and you know and and at what point does he become a a kind of regular in the team if that happens you know
0: yeah it's also a bit of a i think it'd be a bit of a strange time to do this we've got two games before an extended break for most of these players like to, to go and be like well oh, we need to keep vinicius sharp right at this point doesn't hugely make loads of sense. I imagine Fulham, like most teams, will be playing behind closed doors friendlies. I know that we've had our fair share of bad luck with them. Um, what, towards the end of the World Cup period with the players who haven't gone to the World Cup, those are the games to you know get that sharpness and, and match fitness in. To get these players in now, I think would be a bit mad considering we're all about to go on holiday. Well, I'm not, but there, a lot of them are about to go on holiday for
2: a while. Right. Final question from Sammy James. He says, um, why did Reece Parkinson um, announce the Ruben Loftus cheek (laughs) transfer um, on October the 5th, 2020? What on earth happened there? And um, did you like, I don't know, maybe like give him a drink or something like that, that he shouldn't have had. Did you like put up something in his water that um, made him terrible at football for 10 months? I'm just trying to work out what happened there. And um, were you any, were you part to blame for some of his performances?
1: Uh, in that time. I want to spin that back on you. When that happened, <laughs> what was your actual thoughts? Be honest. And to this day, what are your thoughts around that saga? Do you... What, what did, I, I did,
2: did I think it was a good... Did I think it was a good transfer? Do
1: you think... You, did you think it was a good transfer and my relationship in it? Did you... <laughs> did you... Did I have something to do with it, genuinely? I remember a lot of
2: the tweets are on the day like, why is one extra DJ become Fabrizio Romano? Um, that was a lot of like what I saw on Twitter that day. But we were all like... Okay, we'll take it, um, but it's just a weird way to find out. <laughs> it was mad. It was
0: mad. I mean,
2: look, I, I think it was one of those signings at the time. I was like, well, he's a hell of a player. Yeah. And we needed all the good players that we could get. So at the time I was for it. I was always a little bit, I, I will admit, I was always a bit suspicious. Okay. But I mean, no one could have predicted what happened.
0: I just think it was one of those where on paper we were looking at a really good player, but in practice was someone who hadn't played a lot of football. I think we raised this at the time. You know, he was coming back off an injury and you were like, how, how much do you want it? And, and at the time you're linking, right, this Fulham side are short of talent. And we were, and then it was also badly utilised. So there's two, two different problems there. I spent a lot of that season sticking up for Ruben Loftus cheek Now, I think that it got to the end of the season and it was like, I was just wrong ultimately, on, on what he was bringing to the team. But I spent a lot of the season being like, I think he's been played out of position. I think he's not being given the tools around him to thrive. And I do think that somewhere in there is is a half-decent footballer. But we just didn't see any of it. And and ultimately, some of the interviews that were given post that Fulham campaign rubbed salt in the wounds, I think, of, of the whole thing. And and that's where I think it, it got to a point of, of, of no return with, with all of it, you know, the whole oh, I'm using this to try and get my fitness back to play for Chelsea, which is where my heart is. It's not the kind of thing you want to be chucking around to Fulham fans who already have a, you know, we already do have, I use a we there very much on purpose, have that kind of little brother, we want to punch up relationship with Chelsea. To see someone say those kind of things is always painful. Um, So so I think it was managed badly kind of from all fronts, um, aside from the way it was announced, which I thought was exceptional.
2: So why, why did you get to a basically, um, be the ITK that day on the Ruben Loftus cheek transfer? So, because I, I'd actually forgotten it until you mentioned it. And then you brought it up. And I was like, oh my God, I forgot. You know what
1: it happened. is? It's occasionally when I kind of use a FFC hashtag, someone would be like, oh, here we go. He's doing another Ruben Loftus cheek moment. And I'm like, I, it's, it's, it's scarred me now for life. Um, it was just bollocks. I interviewed him like a week before, and we just got along really well. And I was like, you know what? Shall I just let me just feed into this hype here? And I'm like, right, I'm at the trading ground. Um, room lots and chic, the deal's gonna happen in two hours. And I just bullshit in it, and it just happened to happen in two in two hours. <laughs> So about five minutes ago, I just went on Twitter and it's like, yeah, uh, Ruben's doing his medical. So I went, yeah, update, he's doing his medical. And it just looked all so believable. And I thought he was going to have a great year and it's going to be this genius thing. And, you know, bigger TK is going to get me into as an actual role. Um, And yeah, that didn't happen. But no, I was really upset. You know, I really, really, really wanted him to do well um, and kind of do what he did for Palace for us. And it just didn't kind of work out at all. And one other question that I have
2: related to this, because I remember when that tweet came out, someone was like, Reese, are you a Fulham fan? And I actually tweeted back um, the photo of you and I, when I produced one of your radio yes. shows and we, uh, we wore uh, Fulham shirts. It was um, post promotion the, the first time, wasn't it? It was post Wembley. No, it was, I remember the night clearly Fulham. Uh, it was, it, I've produced you for about four nights, but I remember the night that we took the photo um, was the Tuesday night. We beat Reading 4-1 away at the Medeski. And, Reese was on air and I was just in the background of the studio. I was in the back of the studio supposed supposed to be working. And I was definitely watching the Reading game and just Fulham kept scoring. So literally in between the songs, I was like, "Reese, Fulham scored again. We knew we were just having the best (laughs) night ever. Um, But why do you support Fulham? And, um, and how did that come about? So I think it would just be, I think a lot of people would be interested to, uh, to hear your, your Fulham story. Yeah.
1: So my Fulham story is about seven, seven years ago. I just, um, when I was like, I think, you know, not, not to go all, all dark and personal here, but I think, you know, I, I actually didn't grow up without a dad. And I think that's for a majority of people. Um, obviously, you know, that's changing now. Uh, women's football is getting so big and, and so great. But yeah, I usually just get handed down like a team. What I find that a lot of my mates have where their dad, they go to a football game and they go to the first game and it gets passed down like that. So I didn't. So I never had a team. When I was younger, I just, I just bounced around. I played football, loved football, but never kind of stuck towards it. Or I'd just like, my mate would be this team. So I'd go there for a bit and then switch around and stuff and then just play FIFA, then football manager and just never, never really became kind of, um, uh, al- affiliated. Uh, yeah, affiliated or aligned to a team. And then it was my mate, Jake, um, who won it one day was just like, oh mate, come to the cottage. And I was like, I'd absolutely love to, always wanted to go. Went there and, uh, fell in love Fell in love with it and just like, oh yeah, this is, this is me. I love it. So from there, just completely got into it. And I was like, finally, I have like a team.
2: And obviously, Reese, with your job, you meet quite a lot of footballers. We know that you famously met Ruben Loftus-Cheek. So which of the Fulham team um, have you, uh, have you interacted with?
1: Um, Kearney. Yeah. Brian. Yeah. Dan James. Well, when he was at Leeds presumably no recently 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 oh, okay. did a recent interview yeah um, and I'm funny enough I'm doing one next week with Mitro oh, Dan James amazing. and Anthony Robinson as well be which very, very um, yeah buzzing about so okay. but on socials Bobby Reed, whenever he posts okay. anything to do with Jamaica I just reply to it <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I love that we have a Jamaican in the team. Like that's that that's just the best thing. um We did have two when Michael yeah, Hector was here. It great. Yeah, but um we had two reggae boys. I think uh probably Kenny's. I think Kenny's like, yeah, he's just he's just a boy in it. Like yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: I, I I think if I was friends with Tom Kenny, Tom Kenny, my god. Although Joe bryan would
1: be and Joe really Bryan tamed. as well. Yeah. But I'd, I'd like to I, I mean, friends is a. I would like to say friends. I hope that they would maybe do that in return. But yeah, yeah. I'm
2: sure that I'm sure they would. They're nice guys. They're too nice to say not that 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 that, that you're not friends. Do you know what? There's so many like good foot like players across the team that I would I've said this for a little while there's so many players across this team that I genuinely think are just like nice guys deep down like I would be friendly with all of them and I remember when I asked Peter this question at the end of the last year I was like who's the nicest Fulham player and I put him on the spot he's like I can't say one I was like you've got to say one and he just point blank refused because he was just like how do you pick between these like genuinely like it's it's not a dressing room where there are egos or there are players that actually wouldn't want to be friends with. there's so many in this Fulham team that actually everyone's just seems like a, a genuinely lovely but guy. But
1: you both for you two, your job is a lot different. Like, you know, whether that's like in terms of even the hierarchy at Fulham, like it's kind of your job to keep it a hundred percent real. And I think it's actually yeah. quite difficult if you two became super close with a player or super close with kind of like the board there, because you wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't be the reason part of the reason that we listen to you guys or follow yeah, your you tweets.
0: We want, um, you wanted to you
2: find it vaguely unbiased.
0: Exactly. Right? E- than, exactly.
1: That rather than being best mates with Kenny. And if he has a bad game, like you can't call that. Um, no,
2: it, it, it is true. Although I am, I think we're both still best mates of Lucas Piazon, And uh, oh, that will, that will forever die. be the case. What a, what uh, a he's just, he's just, a, he's just a little legend.
0: Talking of Brazilians, actually, um, Rhys, you've, you've got a bit of a thing about one a player that we were linked with in the summer, right? You 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 are desperate for Fulham to sign Pedro, right? From from Fluminense, uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. You've got a real thing mate, about it. Mate, it's
1: not a thing, it's sort of it's an obsession. I've got <laughs> a biggest man crush on Pedro. Um he is incredible. As soon as we were linked to him, I was like, you're joking. I'm gonna be honest, I literally only know him from football manager. But when I signed it on FM back in the day, Ah, he's, he's just a wonder kid. He is incredible. And when we were linked to him, annoyingly, he's now scored in the Copa, not liber- even though they're in that final. I don't think they played that yet. he's got them to that final, and he scored he's in a Sudamericana, right? He's actually a Flamengo now, isn't he? He was at Fluminense to start his career. Now he's a Flamengo, yeah.
0: which is a big swap, by the way. That's crossing a big divide. Really? Yeah, so- that's a that's a that's the Rio divide. You do not cross. But
1: he he he's unreal. Like I've been watching all the highlights as well, scored in the cup final. He's in the Copa Libera, you know how to say nice. it. Um, cheers boys. He's, he's, in, he's <laughs> in the final for that, scored in the semis. He's like, I don't think we can get him now. He, he's ridiculous. It, like since we were linked to him, the form he's on now is just different class. But I, I love him. I couldn't believe we were linked to him. I was like, please, can we make that happen? Well, we signed a player that had
2: an absolute um, uh, disaster in the Copa of last season in uh, Andres Pereira. So uh, if we're signing players that are doing well in it, then uh, then it might work well. I feel like we've done our Brazilian striker experiment. I feel like we can't. We've got old poor yeah. old Rodrigo who's been exiled up
1: to... We've uh, <laughs> got two to, Brazilian
2: strikers. Yeah, up to Tyneside. We can't We can't surely sign another one, but I'd, I'd be all for how's he, it. How, um,
1: I, I, how's he doing, our boy um,
2: Munoz? Um he's struggling. Oh, so Middlesbrough. Wow. He's working hard is how
0: I would put it. Um yeah. he, he's been okay. He's been okay, but not not brilliant. But again, Sammy's right. Middlesbrough have struggled this season so far and it's not gone to plan. Obviously, Chris Wilde is out and Michael Carrick's just gone in. He got given his first start. Yeah. Um but Tuba Akpom's having a resurgence, which is keeping him out of the team, which isn't great vibes for anyone really.
2: Right. So Reese, the final thing that we do on every Thursday club. Um, myself, Jack and Peter Rutzler, we started a feature called This Will Catch On. And um, it started because we used to get a lot of emails to the Fulhamish uh, email accounts with ideas for chants. And we never quite knew what to do with them because we aren't the, the lads at the back that start the chants in the Hammersmith. fan. we're both in the Hammersmith, fan, we're both towards the back. But we're certainly not the people that I think but be- by ourselves could get a chant going. So we never really knew what to do with them then it kind of evolved into this feature where people sent in ridiculous songs and they sent us voice memos of them singing ridiculous songs that potentially the <laughs> full and faithful could one day pick up. Now we have one and a half successes. The main one being Harry Wilson, Mitrovich and Neeskins. Uh, there's another one, which is to the ring of fire, which was loosely kind of floated on uh, This little catch on, but I don't know if we can fully take credit for it, but we get some sublime entries. We also get some very ridiculous entries. What we do, we play them on the podcast and Jack, mostly Jack, but also Peter, uh, give their thoughts. And uh, they're also their opinion on whether it could theoretically catch Incredible. on uh, to the masses. So let's start off with Jack Berenza. He says, Hey team, thought we'd contribute to this or catch on as it's been stuck in my head since a long outback drive a few weeks ago. For reference, we're a newly formed Fulham podcast based down under called That's So Craven. I have heard of these guys actually. That's a great it. Uh, made- yeah, great it's a name. great name. I'm a little bit like, oh, could we change ours? i um, made up of myself, Jack, my brother, Sam, and my dad, Elton, chatting Fulham a couple of times a week and helping f- other Fulham fans on the other side of the world relate to 2 a.m. kickoffs and only ever watching on TV. I haven't listened, but I will. And if you're down under, then definitely check out that So Craven. We've been regular listeners to Fulhamish for years and always enjoy discussing your amazing work and opinions. Um, we hope to be able to hold a candle to you all one day. Anyway, I've attached a cheeky four-part harmony chant for the Hammy End to get their heads around, and I fully <laughs> expect this to be sung out loud and proud against Everton next weekend because it will definitely catch on. And it's about our Swiss Army knife, Bobby Decker Dover Reed. Well, look, Everton's been and gone, but there's still time. Hope you can enjoy and can work out the song easy enough. Sorry for the dodgy vocals. This was recorded at 12:30 after we finished reviewing the Leeds win. Keep up the incredible work, come on, you whites. And that's from Jack. So this is for Bobby Reed. Here we go.
1: <laughs> bob right right we need. <laughs> That is incredible. Oh, oh that's got dude. legs. That's got legs, surely.
2: It's so good. Oh. That is a lot. <laughs> it's great. It's,
0: it's exceptional content. I love it. It's not catching on, but it's uh, it's exceptional content. I loved it
2: that was good very think. good impressive I've, I've, was no, there multi-track just, to that or did they record that live that's my know. question I, I don't know multi-track. But I, do, I,
0: do, I just can't imagine the uh i can't imagine the hammy and singing show us your speed as a, as a line <laughs> <laughs> that's where i'm falling down with it but i do really like it
2: oh so good thank you guys i really appreciate that it's gonna be my head that's def that's definitely gonna be rolling around my head i know that oh, one for yeah, the 100%. next week um, this is also from another fan, uh, down under. This is from Matt Newman it says, Hey Sammy, sticking to the wording. This'll catch on nothing clever and very obvious Been used before, but haven't heard it recently. Xiao Polinia chant attached. Uh, and that's from Matt. Um, so this is for Xiao Polinia. Uh, it's definitely, uh, not original, but it works.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it does work and he's he's literally done exactly what it says in the tin but it won't catch on purely because there's another Jaapolini song, right, that's superior to it at the moment that's the only reason there would be any problems but over the whole, you know, it is what it is
2: yeah, I I, uh, I I think it's a good song, but also it's the Ryan Sessignon song. Yeah, ultimately mm, it is the Stephen Ryan Sessignon song. song. You say? Sorry, the Stephen Sessignon song. Yes, the Charlton's finest. Um, <laughs> speaking of, he was involved in that um, game at the weekend, wasn't he? The four-four. That was 2-2 at 90 minutes. Then it went 4-2 Ipswich and uh, then ended up being uh, 4-4 Charlton. Stevie Sessignon was on the left wing. I watched the full nine minutes that Charlton posted because that's how sad I am on a Sunday morning. I was like, this is content that I'm ready for. Um, Great comeback from the addicts. I enjoyed that one very much. Right, two more. This is from Liam White. He says, hey, Fulhamish, been sitting on this one for months but feeling inspired after back-to-back wins and the other chance to the tune of dancing on my own by Robin from a few weeks ago. That was for Tosin Adarabio. Nice. Tosin also features in this one, but me, but Niskin's Cabano is the star. And this is from the guy that bought you the Rodak chant to the tune of I'm not the only one. Uh, do you remember <laughs> that one, Jack? Um, it went, your saves are crazy. Um, <laughs> and you've kind of worked it out the rest of the So yeah, this is for Scobano. Uh, one that we had a few weeks ago, Dancing on My Own by Robin. But hey, the, you can never have too much Robin in this will catch on, in my opinion. Uh, and that's FFC Love from Washington DC and that's from Liam White. So here we go. Yeah,
0: I know it's stupid. Just gotta see it for myself. He's in the corner, he's in defenders, whoa He's right over here, why can't you stop him, whoa
1: Takes it down in style, matter of miles diagonal Our king's skin's cable Oh, it's, incredible. it's just
0: great content that's, so good. that's exceptional
2: the lyrics are very good he's in the corners teasing defenders he's right over here why can't you stop him takes it down in style from Adorabayo's diagonal <laughs> R.K. Nice. Newskins Cabano I like the use of a diagonal In I'm a not chant. even
0: going to go full syllable police on it Like that's how much I liked it oh. that's exceptional genuinely the- quality content
2: yeah. Liam White is an established. This will catch on. Songwriter, thank you very much. The final one.
1: <laughs> I can't. I Go
2: can't. On. I can't. <laughs> I, I'm crying at the thought of it. Gideon Lovell Smith says hello, Fulhamish team. Longtime listener of the pod. It used to bother me when I lived on Finley Street outside the ground as a kid, and all the Chelsea tryhards living on the same street would make fun of Clappers, Victoria Sponge, and the Neutral Stand. Well, not anymore. With Fulham's clear ascendancy this season, it's time to reclaim some of our heritage. I hereby bequeath my "This'll Catch On" to the tune of "Victoria" by the Kinks. <laughs> Victoria sponge Tifo for Everton on the Riverside stand only seems fitting. Come on you whites. And this is from Gideon. Um, it's basically a song about all the things that people take the piss out of us for. Um, so, Just play it.
3: Timpott club neutral stand. Have some pork with cheese board. Some peppers in our hands. Alpha Nashaheed, now Shahid. lawns, of greens. Victoria, Sponge Cake team. <laughs> Victoria. Victoria. Victoria, Sponge Cake team.
1: Oh wow. I lo- he's, he's, he's Eminem'd us, hasn't he? He's like 8 mile ourselves. Yeah, I, I like literally that.
0: have nothing. Yeah. I have nothing. I have nothing,
2: <laughs> I have nothing to add. <laughs> oh, God. You- I think the wins against Villa and Leeds seem to give some people some creativity in the inbox this week. When I read all of these earlier, I was like, wow, people have gone to town. Victoria by the Kinks is definitely a um, <laughs> a new one on us. That's original. Wow. Wow. I mean, I do kind of like, we, we, we do kind of like owning the uh, the cliches, Jack.
0: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Just, just, I literally am speechless. This is a very rare occurrence. I'm
1: speechless. I, I don't, <laughs> no, I've I nothing, nothing to add. These are incredible, though. And on some of these, it's been live instruments.
2: Yeah. Which is live instrumentation. We get it, Reese.
1: Mind blowing. Um your favourite out of the four? You know what? I'm going with uh Bobby Decadova Reed. Yeah. Ba 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 bobby read. Ba 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 oh, Bobby Reed. He def- brings def- def- the <laughs> <laughs> speed
0: dancing on my own, I think for me. That was exceptional. Nice cabana oh, yeah. dancing on my own. I'm gonna um, say, I'm gonna say, better than the Tosin one.
2: Sorry, yeah, I think, it is, I, I think it is better than the toast. Well, I, I did like, I think it worked for the cinema anyway. It's all so good. Thank you so much. Um, please keep sending your This Will Catch Ons in. Hello at uk. We've got a couple of Thursday clubs before the uh, the World Cup starts. Reese, did you enjoy being part of This Will Catch On? That's what I meant by mixing music with Fulham. I thought like you were the perfect person for the feature.
1: No, lads, thank you so much for having me on the show and the podcast. That is super appreciated. I've been very excited to do this so it means a lot and um, the, yeah so much talent you've, we've got here the listeners are incredibly talented
2: will you uh, spin any of those on your one extra shows <laughs> I, I don't know how uh, can we can we make that happen i
1: think if we can get like a dancehall remix of the bobby reed track i think uh, <laughs> I, I, what about if you sent
0: it to bobby reed and got him to create a dancehall remix out of I, it this is a content feature right here for you you can have it for free
1: i th- i think we got as an a I <laughs> think oh, then we got legs that way.
2: Oh, amazing um really fun podcast today. all we need to do is uh name the pod uh we've got some good names today uh Jack uh which of these would you like to go for uh Caleb suggested eight one one for the formation that we should play uh on Saturday <laughs> yes. um, Bryn Paulson suggested White's blue moonshot um as a pod name um Doug Ebling said uh shock the world um Or you can go for one of our own Fowl Monks with Harla Land. Very
0: good. Very, very good. That's exceptional. Go on then. Go on, Faz. Go on, Fowl. You can have have a name. That's
2: excellent. Very good. Yeah, that's the uh, pod name for today. Thank you so much for listening. Um, We appreciate you uh, sticking us on as ever. And Reese. Thank you again for, for coming on Fulhamish.
1: Thank you, boys. Also, just before we go, uh, I'm going to want to have this in audio form. Portugal winning the World Cup.
0: <laughs> hey, here we go. The, you are already, already one up on the, the predictions
2: this year with uh, Fulham uh, finishing high up the table. So uh, yeah, might strike again. Stick a fiver on it. Reese knows. Jack Collins, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Sammy. It's going back to South America, the World Cup. I'm telling you right now. Brazil? Argentina, I think.
1: Okay. What about you, Sammy? It's coming home, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> of course it is.
2: Podcast will be back on Sunday night. We'll be reacting to whatever happens at Man City. Win, lose or draw. Um, and the Thursday Club will be back this time next week. So thank you very much for listening. Have a lovely weekend, whatever you get up to. And if you are heading to Manchester, good luck getting there. And uh, we will see you next week when he writes.
0: you whites. You whites.